In today's show, we're wrapping up the rest of Summer League with the Western Conference. That includes the Houston Rockets and Jabari Smith and the Oklahoma City Thunder and the big fella, Chet Holmgren. The other big fella, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Yesterday, I looked at the 15 Eastern Conference teams. Some people were a little bit confused with that, I think. Multiple people asked me, hey, you forgot to do the Thunder. No, I didn't. We are doing it today with all the Western Conference teams. That's the Thunder, the Rockets, the Warriors, the Kings. Everyone else who's in the Western Conference, we're looking at the Summer League performances across those teams. So, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, Mavericks, and a lot to see here. But I did want to highlight AJ Lawson, who played 30 minutes across five games. He averaged 15 and a half points. He shot 50% from three. And he was signed today to a two-way deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves had no one on a two-way deal. Lawson's like a wing slash guard. Um, some good scoring numbers there, some good shooting numbers. Obviously, getting shooters in uh, around when you've got Gobert in that starting lineup is always going to be important. So just worth mentioning him. The guy we really wanted to see was Jaden Hardy. And he, you know, especially early on, really exploded in that first game. The usage was high, 30%. That's encouraging, but efficiency like it was in the G League was a real problem. Under 35% from the field, under 70% from the line, under 27% from three. He had a true shooting of an abysmal 44%. He did average Hardy 15, almost four or four and a half and two and a half with 1.2 steals. And there is an opportunity for a role in Dallas. We know it's Dinwiddie and Doncic. And then there's Timmy Hardaway. But as the fourth guard with Brunson gone, maybe, maybe there's a shot at some minutes. Um... The efficiency is what pushed him down. That really struggled in the G League. It struggled here again. I think he'll struggle again in the NBA with it. But I, I thought that he showed that he was better than a second-round pick. And I think that's probably probably all you could ask for at that point. But he's not going to have much impact in fantasy this season. On to the Denver Nuggets. A few guys here worth mentioning. Colin Gillespie is one of their two-way guys that they signed. He's a point guard out of Villanova. And he sort of did what he, we thought he would do. He's 23 already. Um, 28 minutes, 11 points, five boards and four assists, one and a half steals. Shot the ball poorly, 28% from three, but was able to be a steady hand out there. He's not any sort of long-term upside player. He's a guy that maybe when they run into problems as a third or fourth fourth point guard, he can get some minutes, but that's about it. They also brought in um, Jack White. Australian who played with Duke in college, I believe it was, Tories Achilles. Um, when he was back in the NBL. He is 25. He had 8.6 boards, 1.3 blocks. He's like a forward-sized player. He shot 70% from the field. So I just think it's worth mentioning that he is signed to their two-way deal. I don't think, again, he's going to have any impact. Christian Brown, 29 minutes, 12 points, 
Five assists and 2.3 steals is really interesting. He played the part of wing, connector, defender, which is exactly what you'd want him to do. Unfortunately, he shot 13% from three. So the three part of the three and D wasn't there. But as a connector wing player, yeah, there's, there's an opportunity for him at some point when he's going to be battling someone like a Davon Reed with Rivers gone, with Barton gone. Yes, KCP is there, but there is an opportunity for Brown. I thought he was okay. Ishmael Kamagate, he averaged one and a half blocks in his 20 minutes. He won't be on the roster this season, though. And then there's Peyton Watson, who we know had one of the worst seasons you'll ever see at UCLA. He had a couple of interesting games, 9.6 rebounds. But how do you shoot 35% from the field? That was a real problem from his in college. 13% from three and 36% from the line. That's a true shooting of 37%. That is... Unbelievably bad. I don't think he's going to play really at all this year. He's still got some upside. In here. I thought he showed some things. He hasn't turned 20 yet. But that shooting, much like with Jaden Hardy that we just discussed with the Mavericks, that shooting is looking like it's going to be something that's of real concern as we move forward. Golden State Warriors. When you look at Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, the Warriors played across multiple summer leagues. Moody, 28 minutes, 19 points, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. Now, he was inefficient as well, but his true shooting was 54, so better than a lot of these guys. 27% from three, but he got to the line a ton. He hit those free throws well. There is an opportunity for him to play some minutes this season, but there is still Steph, Clay, and Poole. But with Gary Payton gone, I think Moody should be pushing into rotation minutes this season. Not that he's going to be fantasy relevant for the vast majority of you, but I still really like him long-term. I still think there's a top 80 player in him in the next four years, um, but it is going to be a slow process getting there. They also had Mac McClung on their roster. He averaged 13 points, three and a half assists. Don't think he makes the final, um, the final cut, but I thought he was okay. He's probably a two-way guy somewhere. And we finally got to see James Wiseman play. Blunty, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. 55% from the field and from the line. And I think the analysis of, of Wiseman really depends on what you wanted to see. There are people who watch it and go, man, Wiseman, he's, he's going to be a real problem. 2 blocks per game. Look how fast and athletic he was. And they're the people who are big Wiseman believers. Then the people who are Wiseman skeptics will be like, yeah, he still couldn't hit free throws. He only got 20 minutes a night. and He still looked lost quite a bit out there. And I tend to put myself in that secondary camp. I'm not the biggest James Wiseman fan. I think, though, what we need to separate is that if he can get 20 minutes a night or 21 minutes a night as a player on this Warriors team with Kavon Looney as the starting center, almost undoubtedly, I would expect, um, and Green getting minutes there. But Wiseman, he can get 20 minutes, I think, pretty comfortably. No Bielitsa as well, remember. Um, like, he could get nine and seven. 1.7 blocks, 60% shooting. And that, it's like yeah, Dan Gafford, I think, was 130th last year, 120th in with similar sort of numbers. And yeah, Wiseman could get there. I don't believe in him long-term. I don't think he's a particularly good player. And I don't think he's going to be become a very good player. But if the Warriors do push those minutes, he will produce fantasy numbers. The problem I have there with him or my skepticism with him is that I think that him getting minutes might actually cause losses. And they're a team that doesn't want losses. So how they balance that will be very interesting. Gui Santos started off with a bang in the California Classic. Cooled off, ended up with 11 points. He was okay, but I don't really see him having much of an impact this season. There was Lester Quinones, 
who is a two-way guy. He was okay at times, but again, not really an impact guy. And the other guy that is important to note on this team is uh, the old big fella, Johnny Kaminga, who played 26 minutes, averaged 19 points, but just some horrific percentages. He got to the line eight times, hit 47%, 40% from the field, no steals, no blocks. And there's a lot of people who think that I have read people talking about Kaminga being a top 70 fantasy guy this year, and I there is no way to me. I, I still don't think he's anywhere close to it. Yes, Porter's gone. Iguodala might be gone, but he's not supplanting Andrew Wiggins' minutes. Like I think let's be clear with that. He should have a regular rotation role, but like James Wiseman, there will be a lot of dumb mistakes from Kaminga, and Steve Kerr, in a lot of situations, just won't tolerate it. I don't think he's going to be draftable. I still have real concerns about his overall upside of putting everything together and the way that he played in summer league, which seemed to be a lack of care or a lack of commitment to what is your role going to be. And maybe that's what the Warriors said, just go crazy. But Moses Moody was able to have a high usage while still fitting into a perfect role for him. Whereas Kaminga was just, I felt wildly out of control so much when he was out there and it didn't, it wasn't a great summer league for him, I didn't think. But there is an opportunity there. I just don't think he's going to be a fantasy draftable player um, for this upcoming season. But what is coming up this season is BetOnline. It's always going to be there. BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, or even the old golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts, and they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action of what's happening today. And what is happening today? There's not much, not much sport going on. MLB All-Star Game. So let's just go and pick a random NFL game and have a look at the line there. They've got the NFL preseason like two weeks away. Hall of Fame game. Have they got the odds for that? I don't think they do. Well, they do. They do. Preseason, August the 4th. The Raiders, the Jaguars. The Jaguars, the Jaguars. The Raiders are one and a half point favorites. If you're betting on Hall of Fame game in the NFL preseason, good luck to you. But if you do want to do it, the odds are there at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's look at those Houston Rockets. Tari Eason, I think, has got to be the big story from a positivity standpoint. 17 and 10, 1.8 steals, one block, 79 from the line, 28 minutes. He looked great. What is Tari Eason? Is he a three? Is he a four? He's probably a little bit of a mix of both. But I do not think... Tari Eason is an interesting player with a really good fantasy skill set. We knew this coming out of LSU. I think I had him around pick 13 or 14 in my mock draft. So not far off from where he was drafted. But as much as I don't think that Jay Sean Tate, the wild thing, is a long-term future starter... They did just re-sign him, and he is still there. So regardless of if they say, and they pull the pin and say, Eric Gordon, you're not starting at the three. Jay Sean Tate, you're not starting at the three. It's Tari Eason, which seems like a gigantic long shot. Those guys are currently still around, and Tate signing a new deal can't be traded for a while. Gordon might be. So while Eason's a guy to look at, a guy to consider, a guy to have some interesting, really interesting, and I probably will put him up in my tiers when I redo the Dynasty rookie ranking tiers now after Summer League. He did everything we expected from him from Summer League that he did in college that was there. The path to that role immediately um, in Houston isn't quite there, I don't think. He might get 21 minutes a night still, but I'm not sure 21 minutes a night is going to be top 150 or top 170. 
He will have stretches. He will be on fantasy rosters at times this season, but it won't be consistently. Josh Christopher, 27 minutes, 20 points, three assists, 1.7 steals, and 1.7 blocks. Big usage, inefficient, 50% true shooting. He was just jacking up every shot. I like Christopher. This was weird to see. I like that he was able to get those shots. I like that he was able to get to the line, eight attempts per game. Um, but I don't really know where the role is there for him behind Jalen Green and Kevin Porter and Eric Gordon. Like, where does Christopher fit in? He'll get minutes every night, but you know, he's never going to get 32 usage. He might get 22. I liked what I saw from him last season. There was some encouraging signs here, but I don't think it's going to be a big breakout the year for him. Let's go on to the number three overall pick, Jabari Smith Jr. And while some people look at Jabari and will go, is he a bust? Because of this performance, where he averaged 14 and 9 on 38% shooting, he hit 26% from three. There's no way that you can say that. You can't call him a bust because part of my concern towards the end of the draft process of him going to Orlando is I just don't think he's a guy who you want or he's going to be able to create his own shot. He needs to be definitely a secondary guy. And I thought what he did on this team was exactly what he does in the NBA. 14 and 9, 1.6 deals, 1.4 blocks. 1.43s, that's on 26%. That'll come up. That's it. I thought he defended unbelievably well. Really, really good defensive numbers. And this is why he has a good fantasy profile. And I had him third in my dynasty rookie ranks. Because he's going to get defensive stats and he's going to shoot better than this and he's going to rebound well. He's going to play some small ball five as well. He's going to play 30 minutes from the jump. And I think he's probably going to be a top 100 player this season. He doesn't have the engine like Apollo to be a 28 usage player at any point, I don't think. But as a 24 usage guy who maybe gets 17 and 10 with 1.6 steals, 1.6 blocks, three assists, two and a half threes, 50 and 85 percentages, that's probably your all-time ceiling, maybe 20 points he gets to. But I thought what he did was exactly what he was projected to do. He's never going to be a takeover guy, and he didn't take over. And it was also hard playing with Josh Christopher. Ty Ty Washington, I thought, showed some flashes. Nine points, four assists, 1.8 steals. And maybe he gets some minutes this season as a backup point guard. Maybe he doesn't. And then Dacian Nix, another point guard, four and a half assists, 1.6 steals. Thought he looked okay apart from the free throw shooting. Washington had that same problem from the free throw line. But some encouraging signs from a lot of these guys. How it all mixes in is going to be really interesting. Now, we go from a team with a lot of stuff going on with the Rockets to a team like the Clippers, where there's not much stuff going on. Preston. I like that guy. Preston! At least we did get to see Jason Preston, who averaged 5.3 assists, which is great. Only eight points. Didn't shoot a lot. Under 19 usage. Um, he did get a steal, but he is an interesting passer. There is John Wall and Reggie Jackson there. They will miss some time. Hopefully, we can get some minutes from Preston this season. BJ Boston averaged 13 points. He was pretty inefficient back to his sort of college days there. I liked what he did last season. There is no path for big minutes this season, though, with George, Kawhi, Morris, Kennard, Mann, Coffey, like to name whoever you want. There's no real path for good minutes. I think he's a long-term prospect, but there's something there. While Musa Diabete played um, 24 minutes a game, he averaged almost eight boards, shot 70%. I, I, don't really, I don't really see it for him. Although there is an opening of backup center. No Hartenstein. There's just Zubats really there at this point. So maybe there's something. Next team's pretty boring as well from a fantasy perspective. And that's the Los Angeles Lakers, though. Once we get to the Grizzlies next, there's some more happening there. Cole Swider, two-way player. He is um, 23 already, but he shot a blistering 
53% from three. That is what he can do. Three and a half threes. And we have seen the Lakers bring in guys, undrafted players, Alex Caruso, Austin Reeves. Don't be surprised when Cole Swide is the next guy. Because fitting next to LeBron and Davis and Westbrook, if they're going to keep him around, you need to shoot. And instead of a Kent Bazemore or a Trevor Ariza who can't shoot anymore, or a Stanley Johnson who could never shoot, if could Swider play 10 minutes and hit two threes? He's someone to watch. And I thought the other two-way guy, undrafted, Scotty Pippen, looked pretty good. 11, three and a half and five, 2.3 steals. Good passer, good defender, bit undersized, not going to be a high-level scorer and the shooting's a real problem for him. But I think there is some sort of an NBA role there for Pippen. We had Jay Huff, who was okay as well in his four games, but Max Christie, the problems from college are still there. Seven points in 24 minutes, 27% shooting, 20% from three. I thought he defended quite well. Didn't really show up in defensive stats, but I thought he defended well. But that's like, is he Stanley Johnson? Is he a worse Stanley Johnson? Is he a better Stanley Johnson? I Yeah. The, the body is there. The size is there. The defensive ability is there. But at this point, he's just an absolute nothing offensively. And that's going to lead to problems with him getting minutes or being respected enough to um, you know, to be guarded at any point. Let's talk about those Memphis Grizzlies because there's a ton of blokes here. Santi Aldama, who was a surprise first-round pick, I thought, last season, really dominated. 16-7, and 1.2 steals. or Sorry, one steal, 1.2 blocks. Shot well. And with Jaron Jackson Jr. out to begin the year, can Aldama push in? Aldama played some minutes last season. There is, of course, uh, the cashier, Xavier Tillman. There is Steven Adams. And there is Brandon Clark. But Aldama might be the fourth big man on this squad. He showed enough to me to go, oh, maybe there's a little bit of upside there. I thought Kenny Lofton also showed some things. He's a two-way guy. 15 and 6, 1.1 blocks. He, he, he's a really good scorer. Defensively is where you're going to have some issues. He didn't shoot the three ball very well. He's a two-way guy. I wouldn't expect him to have too much of an impact, but he's an interesting player. Zaire Williams impressed 16-5 and 4.5. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Williams takes the Melton minutes and at some point cuts into the Brooks minutes. He's not going to be a fantasy option, though. I wouldn't have expected. And then um, there's uh, David Roddy Piper. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. 14 points, five rebounds. Him and Lofton feel like they'd be battling sort of for the same area. And the fact that they traded D'Anthony Melton to get Roddy makes me think there's a little bit more investment there. So maybe he can push in and battle minutes with Aldama for that rotation spot. I really doubt that initially, though. Uh, Tillman, I would have liked to see a little bit more from him. He was okay. 11 points and five rebounds. Well, Kennedy Chandler, I liked it. He's still not even 20. Nine points, five, or four and a half assists, two steals. Didn't shoot well, 15% from three. But as a third point guard behind Tyus Jones, you're planning for two years in the future for him to be the backup. And when Jag goes down and gets hurt, you'll have Tyus starting. And then maybe Chandler. I thought Chandler looked good. LaRavia, only five points. But what he does is two assists, one and a half steals, one block. He's a much better shooter than this. There is a rotation role, perhaps, with Kyle Anderson gone, although I expect Zaire Williams to get a lot of those minutes. And then Vince Williams had four points in 20 minutes. He didn't do anything particularly interesting. He is a two-way guy for them, but he didn't do anything to make me think, yeah, he's going to push uh, for regular rotation minutes. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, Josh Minot, I thought he was underdrafted at 45. 
He had that really big offensive blow-up game, I think first or second up. He ended up with 12 points per game, but it's nine boards, 1.6 deals, 1.6 blocks. He passed well. The shooting's an issue. The offense is an issue. He's never going to be a 25 usage player. But with Jared Vanderbilt gone, he should slide into a Vanderbilt-ish role in the future. But again, you've got Townsend Gobert. You'll have McDaniels probably at the three who slides to the four. You might get some Minot minutes, but I wouldn't expect many. And then Wendell Moore still got to battle someone like a Torian Prince and Kyle Anderson on this roster. 12-4-2, steals for more. He was okay without really standing out. And then also Mateo Spagnolo, 30% from the field. He won't be on, a, on the roster this season is my guess or my understanding. He'll be back in Italy. I still do like him long-term, but it wasn't a particularly impressive summer league. For the Pelicans, um, EJ Liddell, terrible news. Torrey's ACL, and he hadn't signed his contract yet. I don't know what they're going to do with him. He's a guy that slid way too far in the draft process, I thought. Ended up at pick 41 in the second round, and now Torrey's ACL is going to miss all this year. Really bad news. Obviously not going to impact this season. Um, and you have to worry about where that puts him in the future as well, to be honest. As a second round unsigned guy tearing an ACL as an older player. He's already, so by the time he plays his first NBA game, he's going to be 22 and a half, almost 23. It's a worry. But what I did love was Trey Murphy. 26 and a half points, 32 minutes, seven rebounds, two threes, two and a half steals. I love Trey Murphy at this time last year. I love Trey Murphy in the draft process. I think I had him at like 12 in that draft. Um, and then he got overtaken by Herb Jones. And he just really didn't play for a long time. I thought there was some poor coaching at times from um, uh, Willie Green, not to get him in the rotation. And these sort of performances and the way he played towards the end of last season, he got to the line eight times as well. It's going to be hard to ignore. The problem is, where does he play? Ingram's at the three, Zion's at the four, Valanciunas at the five. We've got Jackson Hayes in the mix there. Herb Jones is going to be probably starting at the three or two, depending on how you want to phrase it. Like, where does Murphy fit in? He's got an unbelievably good fantasy game. Efficient, can score, can hit free throws, can get steals, can rebound. But it's just one to sit on for Dynasty. I was super impressed. And while he can force minutes, the guys he's got to force minutes from is Jones, Ingram, and Zion. He can take them from Hayes and leave Hayes to be the 18-minute-a-night backup center or get 15 minutes a night when Zion plays uh, points center. But... You, can Murphy get to 25 a night? That might be tough. Um, we had Carlo Makovic. He only played one game. I don't think he'll be over this year. He did block two shots in that one. Darian Sebron. He didn't do a huge amount, but he's on a two-way. That Najee Marshall. I didn't really get, get much out of him. Um, they also had uh, Johnny Butler. He's super skinny. He's currently not on the roster, but they do have an open two-way spot. I'd like to see them give him that opportunity. He's still only 19 and a half. He's really young. Three points the average, but one block in 10 minutes is really good. He's a really good shot blocker, but he's super, super skinny. And I'm not sure that he's going to develop into the player he needs to be. Dyson Daniels, the dust buster. Played eight minutes, sprained his ankle. He had one point with two assists. He's another guy that's got to get minutes somewhere on this team. Probably only gets like 19 or 20. Haven't projected them yet. But we didn't really get to see much of him, unfortunately. The team that a lot of people wanted to know about is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because look at how many blokes are on this roster that, that have can have an impact. Let's start with Chet, who was... Oh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. At the end of this, I'm going to go through, hopefully I remember, the top 10 players, fantasy ranking-wise, from Summer League. Chet played 26 minutes a night, 14 and 8, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2.8 blocks, 94 from the line. He hit 42% from 3. That is 
that line on its on its own, it's it's a first round line in in a regular NBA season. Let's be honest. Now he's probably not going to be able to do it, but fourteen eight and three, one point six threes, usage of twenty one percent. That's not crazy. It's the two point eight blocks, which also isn't crazy. But and two steals is probably too high. He is going to be, I feel, a probably top forty player this season. He is going to get drafted in the third round, and I'm not going to want any part of it. He remains the number one player for me for Dynasty Rookies. I think in a Dynasty startup draft, I'm going to talk to Matt Lawson about this at some point on the podcast. In a startup draft, I think I would take him in the first round. Pretty sure I would. Yes, there were some games where there was issues where Kenny Lofton bullied him, but he's still productive. He's still always going to be solid, and I didn't really have any issues, and he did really more than I expected him to. I was super impressed with what Chet did. Josh Giddy was way too good to be out there. 13, 6, and 8.5, and or almost 9 assists, 1.2 steals. Didn't shoot well. I'm not sure that's ever going to come. 7% from three. Ish. Um, risk of him being overdrafted for sure this season because people will expect this huge improvement, and maybe there isn't. Maybe there's just an incremental improvement. Got Pokyshevsky, who averaged 1.3 blocks. Yeah, with Holmgren there, Robinson Earl, Wiggins, Baisley, is Poku going to get enough playing time to impact? Probably not. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl probably isn't either. He averaged 10 and 8. He was good. The efficiency was solid, but I'm not sure there's the upside there. Aaron Wiggins played. Trey Mann, I, I do not buy Trey Mann at all. 29% on 13 attempts, 12 um, points per game. I don't buy Trey Mann as a future starter level player at all. Just, yep, that's fine. I think that the missile, Jalen Williams, should already be ahead of him. Now, Williams, so many people praising Jalen Williams. The numbers aren't great. 12, 3, and 2. One steal, one block. 0.73s. Didn't really attempt any threes. Like, really low three-point attempt rate. 20% three-point attempt rate. It's really low. Hit 50% only from the line. He looked the part out there, but the numbers aren't great. I don't think he's going to be a draftable player with Shea and Giddy and Dort and Chet. This is, I just don't think there is. He might play 18 minutes a night, 20 minutes a night. He'll have moments of, of opportunity. And he was good out there. I do think that he's getting a little overhyped, but I thought he was good. We also need to get rid of this J-Dub and J-Will. Hey, guys, we've got the same name, me and Jalen Williams, right? So here's how you can differentiate us, by using nicknames which could apply to either of us. Guys, figure this shit out. I've figured it out for you. Jalen Williams, the guard from Santa Clara, Clara, you're the missile. Jalen Williams, the big man from Arkansas, you're a pig. Easy. All right, it's sorted. This is J-Will and J-Dub. All right, cool. That tells me nothing. It actually tells me nothing. Um, speaking of uh, Pig Williams, yeah, he didn't do much, did he? Um, four points. It's going to be hard to get, to get minutes. Four points, five rebounds. Again, Robinson Earl, Pokyshevsky, Favors, Chet, Baisley, like, where's he going to play? It's going to be hard. And Ujman Jeng is probably not going to do much this year either. Nine and five, the shooting was a real concern. He showed some things handling the ball and passing, but he's just not going to get a consistent role this season. Um, would be my guess. They also had Vic Krejci there who played some minutes last season, but I don't think he's going to be in for a particularly large role. And then we move from the Thunder to a team where there's really not much happening apart from old mate Olivier Saar. It's Levi Osar, not Levi Thunder legend, Olivier Saar was on the Suns. Now, the Suns do have Aiton back. There's Biombo back. Saar is not signed yet, 
but I think they should. Eight and eight in 14 minutes with 1.7 blocks. I thought he played well for the Thunder last season. Bring him in. I'd sign him. They also had McKinley Wright, who got six assists per game. He was a two-way for the Wolves last season. He's interesting. And Ish Wainwright, 11 points in 23 minutes. The guys that can be part of the rotation or, or part of the roster, at least. At the moment, the only one of those guys who is part of the, ro- the roster is Wainwright. I think Saar and Wright have a chance. They also had Louis King on that roster, who averaged 13 points. But yeah, I don't really think there's much to... Um, much to gain out of big, you know, um, exploratory discussions on the Suns Summer League team. That's what I'm trying to say. For the Blazers, unfortunately, we didn't get to see anything of Shaden Sharp. Well, that's not true. We saw five minutes. He scored one bucket, and then he was done with a shoulder labrum issue. Hopefully, he's ready for the start of the season, but I don't think we should expect much from him this year. But maybe we expect something from Jabari Walker. 57th pick in the draft. We all know that. 21 minutes, 12 points, 8 boards, 0.8 blocks. I thought he looked really good out there. Hyper-efficient, filled his role, but he's going to be the backup or in the mix to be the backup behind Jeremy Grant. The other guy in that mix is Nasir Little, who might start at the three, might not. There's also Trenton Watford, who played a lot there last season as well. So while this was great from Walker and he's earned a full-time contract as the 57th pick and we're getting these guys like Aaron Wiggins was picked 55 last year and made an impact and Walker's going to probably do it now and I probably will move him up quite a bit in my rookie tier rankings. I'm not sure he's going to have a gigantic role. I was also also pretty impressed with Keon Johnson. Now he's behind the eight ball because he's going to have to do your battle with Lillard and Simons and Sharp and Hart but 17 points, 1.5 steals, four rebounds. Shot the ball pretty well. He showed me enough to say there's maybe a future rotation player and maybe a guy that at some point in his career can sneak one or two top 150 seasons. Very similar to the way, you know, think of him as like maybe 70% KCP best case scenario, which is okay, but limited upside. Greggy Brown had seven points. Yeah, he's not really coming along, is he? Well, Brandon Williams, remember Brandon Williams last season when Simons went down a two-way guy and he came in and got so much volume but could not shoot? Well, he shot 26% from the field and 11% from three for 11 points in 26 minutes. So the volume's there, but he's just not good enough, I don't think, to demand any sort of rotation role. He is, what, he's 22, so he's not particularly old, but I would like to have seen a lot more and a lot more efficiency from him um, than we saw. Let's talk Sacramento Kings. And one of the key points, I think, when talking about the Kings is looking at the, the list of names here who are important. And when we talk Keegan Murray, who was great, 22 points, seven rebounds, three threes, 1.3 steals, true shooting of 65, which is awesome. Look who is on the team. Nobody, right? I would have hoped that he dominated given there's no one else to really share the minutes or share the load. He had a huge role. And I think he's going to come in and he's going to start. I don't know that. I think it'll be Fox, Barnes, Sabonis. Probably, probably will have Murray. And then the other spot will be either be Monk or Herder. They could go Fox, Monk, Herder and bring Murray off the bench, or they could trade Barnes and start Murray at the four. I think Murray is going to be interesting. The fact that he was able to hit the threes at 41% is good, and he showed versatility in his shooting. The steal numbers are solid, and he's got some good defensive numbers at Iowa for sure. It's a weird defense and weird, just a weird scheme in general all at Iowa. But I also don't think there's any chance he gets 27% usage with Fox and Sabonis and Barnes there. He's more likely to be 19 or 20 or 21% usage, which might give him 15 points, seven boards, two threes, maybe a steal and a block. That's still useful. I think there is a real risk of him getting overdrafted, 
like a, a real risk of that. Around pick 100, I'm probably not going to have a problem with it. But if he starts going in the 70s, based on what happened at Summer League, where he was the Summer League MVP, uh, that's where I'll start to have some issues. Because remember, there is no one else on this team that's really any good at all. Um, I, you can't predict 65% true shooting. It's just not going to happen. And he'll be the, at best, at best third usage guy. And that's not including Herder, Monk, Davian Mitchell, or Harrison Barnes, who could all push ahead of him. We've got to remember all of those things. He also averaged one assist per game. Now, part of that is because there's no one else to pass to. Keon Ellis, two-way guy. He showed enough to be a two-way guy. Three assists, two steals, 11 points. Well, Nemeas Keita, two blocks, two-way guy. Um, look, at this point, what is he? The third string center, fourth string. Holmes, Sabonis. Well, Sabonis, Holmes, Len, and Keita. I'm not sure he's ever going to be able to be a rotation guy. They had Jared Roden as well, who was okay. Showed some flashes, but not... Not the greatest roster outside of the um, performance of Keegan Murray. For the San Antonio Spurs, Darius Days. He got himself a two-way deal. 13 and 10. Didn't block any shots as a big man, but some okay numbers there. The guys we wanted to look at, though, Blake Wesley, 17 points, but the efficiency is horrible. Can't finish at the rim at all. 30% shooting, 34 from three. It's going to be him and Branham and Primo all sort of battling. Branham had 15 points. Primo had 15 with four and a half assists, um, but poor efficiency. And none of them stood out to me to be the absolute standout player. They're all the same age. Interesting that they used Primo a lot as a point guard. Now, I think Trey Jones will get that spot, but would they just force Josh Primo to start at point guard? There's still Vassell there, of course, also. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of names there. Primo, Branham, Wesley. It's a lot of names to try and work out who's going to be draftable, and I think none of them will be. I think Trey Jones will end up being as well as Vassell. I thought Don Barlow showed a bit. 7.6 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. He's on a two-way. And they're back up center behind Pirtle. It's Gorgie Jeng. Yeah, Barlow can get some minutes, I think, on this team. He's a, he's one to watch, and he did enough there where I was interested. But, of course, we didn't see. Um, we didn't see Jeremy Sohan. Sohan, now! He was out with COVID. And had to think another back issue or something. He didn't want he didn't they want to risk him. So we didn't see how he fits. And he was probably the most interesting guy to see. He'll get backup minutes, you would expect, behind Vassell and more importantly behind Keldon Johnson. But he's you know, we didn't really get huge indication of how they want to use him or what they want to do with him. The last team, the Utah Jazz. Pretty boring. Jared Butler was forced into a larger role. 13 points, just shot horribly. Couldn't hit it from the line. Couldn't hit it from the field. He averaged seven assists and two steals, and that's part of the appeal of him coming out of Baylor. But this team is so in flux that maybe Butler's playing 30 minutes a night this season. I don't know what happens with Conley, Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell. But does Grimes come back? Does Quickly come back? Does Westbrook end up here? Like, what the hell happens on this team? Is Derek Rose part of a deal? I don't know. So while Butler sort of struggled in that role, he could be forced... It could be him... And Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a starting backcourt for this team. It probably won't be, but it could be. So I don't know how to really, really judge that. They got Leandro Balmaro in the Gobert trade. He had 11-4-2. Shooting was really rough. I think he's an okay player. I think he's going to be a pretty okay defensive player as a guard. But offensively, you worry. Well, Johnny Jujang, 8 points, 26% shooting. Yeah, like he's a two-way guy. Like that's who he is. While we didn't get to see the guy who's probably going to have the most impact as a rookie on this team, and that's Walker Kessler, who at this stage, I assume is their starting center because they 
don't really have another one. And no, Hassan Whiteside is not on the roster. So we didn't get to see Kessler play. So I don't know how he looks. We'll find out more later on. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. But don't forget, over on Locked On NFL, we've got the top 50 players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It's available starting July 18th, which is already now, podcast and YouTube. And after you listen to today's show, which I love you like making this your first listen, go check out Locked On NBA. It's your second listen, 30 minutes a day for all the NBA news. And guys, if you're on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb me up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.